The great movie experiment continues, but are there any winners so far? All this and episode two of What If on today's episode of the Geek Watch Podcast. This is the Geek Watch Podcast with Brian Hatcher and Mandy Petrie. Greetings, Geek Watchers, and welcome to episode 120 of the Geek Watch Podcast. I'm Brian Hatcher, and with me, as always, Geek Watch's own resident geek goddess, Mandy Petrie. Salutations, Brian. Last week, we were talking about movie studios and all the different ways they were trying to release films to see if they could get that magic formula to get back at least a part of the glory days of the cinema. Of the blockbuster. Right. (laughs) And some new things have developed also on that front. I wanted to talk to you about that a little bit starting off today. But I did check in the news about A24 and their release of Green Knight. Oh, yeah, they release it at home for like... Right. Half a day or something. Yeah. yeah. And we're recording on Thursday. They mm-hmm. had done it Wednesday night, Thursday morning. And I couldn't find anything in the news about it at all. So nobody's saying whether it was a success or not. Okay. So I don't know for sure. Well, they say no news is good news. But under the circumstances, I think that might be the opposite case. Mm, I don't like think a, it did very like well. Like a burnt out fuse or something. Hmm. Yeah. This film hasn't done really well on the box office. And there's a lot of reasons why it may not have done so well. But... Something I didn't know, after they did this limited release, then they put it out for regular streaming the day after. So I don't know if it's more expensive. I'm pretty sure there's none of the extras or anything like that. So then what was the point of this whole, you can watch it for a limited time? Well, that's a good question because I don't know. Oh, okay. All right. Making sure I didn't miss something here. No, I okay. I, no, I don't think that you did. Uh-huh. I, I guess this was just going to be this little test that they wanted to do to have the special version of it with behind the scenes or whatever. Essentially the DVD Blu-ray yeah. of Once Upon a Time. <laughs> yeah. I guess basically they just wanted to weigh that out to see if people would be interested in that type of content. Mm-hmm. And the way that you were able to watch it was you had to watch it online or there's A24 has their own proprietary app that you can get on Roku. It's like any other app. Okay. Yeah. Of course, with the wide release now, you're able to get it any place where you can buy a film. So it'd be like Hulu or Amazon. You could find it on something else. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's a platform that you have. Yeah, I would mm-hmm. say. Basically, it's now the full release and how much they were able to do last night's business, I can't even begin to tell you because no one is saying. But I suspect didn't do a whole lot at right, all. Right, if it went out to streaming the next day, guess you could watch some behind the scenes or some bloopers. Again, I'm excited to see it, but I can still wait on those things. It'll be neat. And I do want to eventually see this, but I'm okay with waiting. I'm yeah. good with it. And also, the reviews weren't the best. Mm -hmm. A24, one of the great things about them as a studio is they do a lot of really strange, atypical films, especially with their horror films like uh, Hereditary. Mm. It's wild, and they're willing to take those risks. Now, obviously, high risk, high reward, but in some cases, that doesn't pan out. And that was, I think, the issue that they had with The Green Knight. It's just a little bit too weird for people. It didn't have a wide audience. It was never going to, especially with everything going on now. You're not going to have, like, a huge box office for it. And it just didn't pan out for them. Eventually, when you can stream it on Netflix or whatever, more people might be watching it. But get a cult following. Yeah. Yeah. 
But no movie studio really wants a cult following in a film. No, they want their money up front. (laughs) I just think that's going to be the situation here. Now, on the opposite end, we have Free Guy. I've heard just magnificent things about this movie and how wonderful it is and how much everyone loves it. The reviews have been fantastic. Now, I did check the weekend box office and they were at about 28 million domestic, Mm -hmm. which is about 2 million more than the Suicide Squad did. Again, with everything, if it had been, you know, the normal movie-going experience, this would have been a bomb. But what I find funny is all the speculation that's been going on about Free Guy and why it did what it did. What was that one thing that kept it from doing well? And I find that hilarious because there's a lot of things going on. Now, it did have a lot of things going for it that Suicide Squad didn't. You have Ryan Reynolds, who can bring a lot of eyes to a movie, and it wasn't rated R like Suicide Squad was, Uh, which... Take your family to see it. Mm -hmm. Again, why it may not have done gangbusters at the theater, there's lots of reasons why that might have been the case. Well, COVID is the obvious one, but... There are just so many factors involved now. And I think that's going to be the big problem theaters are going to run into and movie studios are going to run into. Because even when things were normal, there was no way for a movie studio to know for sure that a movie was going to be a hit. They took chances. They had whatever formulas or arcane rituals that they used to try to determine which films would make money and which wouldn't. But they weren't obviously 100% reliable. Because obviously no movie studio wants to put something out that's going to be a bomb, but they still do. Mm -hmm. And now, on top of all that, now they're trying to figure out, well, why aren't movies making $100 million? And COVID's the easy explanation for all of that. Mm -hmm. But... Everything that you would use to determine whether a film had a good chance doesn't really apply anymore. One thing that was always a truism about movies was if you put out a film about this time of year, this was a place where you dumped films that you didn't figure were going to do well because kids are going back Mm -hmm. to school and the weather's starting to change. And so this was traditionally a place where you wanted to take a movie that you didn't think had that much box office appeal and just let's just put it out here maybe we'll get something out of it now obviously that wasn't anyone's intention with releasing free guy at this point nobody's trying to dump a film (laughs) any content that you have they're just trying to get it out there so i just find it funny that you have all these pundits that are posting articles about why did this film not do so well why did this film do better than this film and did it have anything to do with how it was released and honestly When you look at, like, say, Free Guy compared to Suicide Squad, similar kinds of films appeals to pretty much the same audience. But to say, well, this film did this as compared to this other film, and these are the reasons why, there's no real good way to do that. It's apples and oranges. The only thing that you could compare a film to is, we'll say, like Free Guy. It's like, well, this is what Free Guy did when we released this film here during the situation that we did and we didn't do any kind of streaming. The only comparison you could make would be if making an assumption of what would this film have done if there wasn't COVID or what if they had done at streaming or what would have happened if they would have waited a month or two to release it. But all of that stuff is speculation. There's no real way to know what would have happened 
You can make guesses, but that's about it. And like I've said, Hollywood guesses aren't 100% accurate. So there's really no way right now to figure out what's the best strategy at this point because things are in flux and they're changing. With this Delta variant that's coming out and people are starting to get nervous again and lockdowns are starting to come back, I mean, there's no real strategy except for, well, at this point, they've already announced that Shang-Chi is not going to be released on Disney+. Plus. Wow. And okay. I don't know if that's more of a release strategy as it is a let's not get sued again strategy. Yeah. <laughs> so mm-hmm. we do know that Shang-Chi is going to be a theatrical-only release, and it looks like Disney and Marvel, they're going to stick to that, that mm-hmm. everything is going to be theatrically-only as of now. Right. But things change, and what are you going to do? But the problem Marvel's going to run into, obviously, is that they can't have their Marvel films doing 25 to 50 million box office domestically. (laughs) They can't do that. Mm -hmm. They have too much money into these films. And, of course, these films were budgeted back in the days when, hey, you know, we can make 100 million. We can make make 500 million. We can make a billion. So we can put a lot of money into it. We'll get the money back. But that was BC (laughs) before COVID. Now they've got properties. Now they have content and is figuring out what to do with it because they can't risk not getting their investment back. Mm. Usually one movie tanking is enough to derail your average studio. And Disney has tons of money, but they don't have infinite money. Black Widow obviously didn't recoup the investment and make the money that they wanted it to make. And so Shang-Chi and the films afterward are going to have to make up for it and get them back on track. Speaking of which, we did get a trailer today for Eternals. Yes. Which is supposed to be the final trailer. And you've seen it. Yes, I have. Mm -hmm. So what did you think? I think that Kit Harington is a photocopy of Sebastian Stan without his long hair. When he first popped up there, I thought, is that Bucky? Did they wait till after Falcon and Winter Soldier to show him in the trailer? And then I heard him speak. Yeah, but seeing Selma Hayek and getting to see Angelina Jolie in proper form, and we always knew that she was amazing, and of course she was going to be amazing in this. Get a little bit more idea of what the Eternals are and how they feel about the Earth and what their duty is, I suppose. And I'm not familiar with the Eternal source material. I never read any of them or knew about any of them. So this gets a layperson excited. It got me excited. If I didn't even know this was a Marvel movie, I would still be excited about this movie. I have to say, and forgive me for saying it, I was not that excited about Eternals. Really? Specifically for a couple of reasons. First of all, like you, I hadn't read the Eternals. I was familiar with the Eternals, and I know a lot of the background of the Eternals, but... The Eternals, as a comic book, never interested me because I'm not the biggest fan of gods doing god stuff as a story. (laughs) And it sounds funny saying this, liking superheroes, but superheroes have problems and they're not perfect. And watching gods just doing god stuff never really interested me. Mm -hmm. And specifically, and of course this is for number two as well, one of the things that we got finally in this trailer a little bit that we didn't get in the other trailers, and it's also one of the reasons why I'm not a big fan of stories about gods doing god stuff, is the main component of any traditional story is conflict. Mm-hmm. And conflict was sorely missing from the trailers for Eternals up to this point. Okay. There was no conflict to drive the story forward. So we didn't know what was going to happen or what the main problem of the story was going to be. These 
creatures, what, remnants? I can't remember what they were called. Deviants. Deviants. Okay. Yes. Mm-hmm. I knew about the deviants, and I knew that there was going to be a struggle there, but the trailers up to this last one was really gorgeous people posing and showing how powerful <laughs> they are. Well, that's awesome, but there's no conflict. So where's the story? Mm-hmm. And we are seeing a bit of conflict in this trailer. We're seeing some fighting. Mm-hmm. And it didn't surprise me at all that you had one little scene in the trailer of someone asking, well, how come you guys weren't here when Thanos was doing what he was doing? And why have you let so much stuff go on uh, terrible Mm -hmm. on Earth if you like it so much? And they explain it a little bit more. Well, we got our first clip of a Celestial in the trailer. Now, we've seen Celestials before. We saw one in Guardians of the Galaxy, the best example, because you saw when the Collector was explaining the Power Gem and you saw this massive Celestial that destroyed this planet. Kind of a flashback sort of. Right. Yeah. Yeah, you saw that image. And, of course, nowhere the colony that's basically living in the head of a a dead (laughs) Celestial. Uh So we've seen Celestials to some degree. Mm -hmm. Celestials, of course, play a huge part in Eternals because they created both the Eternals and the Deviants. And as they explained in the trailer, the Celestials... They've basically charged the Eternals to protecting the humans from the Deviants. Mm -hmm. Yes. And that's all they can do. They can't interfere with humanity besides that. Right. In the Eternal comics, the whole mythology is three races live on Earth, created by the Celestials, which, of course, were the Eternals, the Deviants, and humanity. The Celestials created all three of them. Okay. And so... You have two basically fighting each other to exercise their will upon humanity. And like I said, I didn't really have a whole lot of interest in it. I mean, it's Marvel. Yeah, I'm going to watch it. But I didn't see an awful lot of conflict involved. A lot of like magical hand-waving at each other is not going to be that interesting. <laughs> mm-hmm. Before, you know, <laughs> before you accuse me of being a heretic. I'm not. <laughs> I know, I know. But somebody out there might. But... Yeah, I was going to give Marvel a chance. It's just that in the same vein as Shazam's suit in the Uh, movie, uh I was a little worried. Well, just say that. Mm -hmm. I was a little worried about how this was going to go, and especially in the time of COVID, the margin of error for a film is a lot narrower than it used to be. But we've seen this trailer. I'm seeing a little bit of conflict. I'm seeing some humor, which we've seen before. Yes, I did enjoy the Ikea fall line. Yeah. Yeah, is this made of vibranium? That was was lovely. But certainly the main thrust of the story, they're still keeping kind of close to their chest. Right. Yeah. So. Spoilery. Yeah, they're not saying an awful lot, but we get the chance. I'm definitely going to see it. On the subject of Marvel, I've been keeping up with a lot of the press junkets that have been going on with Shang-Chi and the Mm -hmm. Legend of the Ten Rings. They have been doing some press screenings for the movie. I believe at this point the review embargo is still on, so people who have seen the movie aren't allowed to post full-blown reviews. They're allowed to talk briefly about how they felt about the film, but that's about all they can do right now. And what I've been hearing is a lot of people have been really praising this film. I've yeah, heard some way re- to go. Yeah, I've heard mm-hmm. some high high praise. I've heard some stuff that sounds a little bit suspicious. Oh no. Uh-huh. Because I think it was John Campia. He had seen it and said that this was his second favorite superhero movie of all time. Okay. Right below Logan. Logan was his 
top, and he okay. said Shang-Chi is okay. his second favorite. Okay. He says it's a great martial arts film. It's a great superhero film. He was just singing its praises, and a lot of people who've seen it have also been singing the praises of this film, which makes me happy. Mm-hmm. And like I said, it's going to be a theatrical-only release. Yeah, I think the star, Simu Lee. Someone said something about it being an interesting experiment, and he blew up on him and said, this is not an experiment. We are going to show you that we are the strong. We're the, something like we're the underdog. And he was really rallying. is like pretty much telling everyone, you got to see this movie. Well, isn't it terrible that people think that a movie that is not led by white male leads is an experiment? Uh, you know, I was I was thinking about it being an experiment of how they were releasing it. I wasn't even thinking of that. Oh, my gosh. Yep, they do. They have to call it an experiment, don't they? Yeah, yeah that... like Captain Marvel was an experiment, wasn't she? Yes. Well, <laughs> I can see why that can be frustrating. And you're right. There's no experiment going on here. Mm-hmm. People love martial arts films. We've been loving them forever. Yes, which... uh-huh. even when we couldn't understand them, we were fine with it. <laughs> yeah, and this is something else that I've heard people say. Again, people are able to talk about how they felt about the film without going into any details or doing reviews. Usually you have like two kinds of martial arts films. You have the very practical martial arts films that are very realistic, mm-hmm. brutal street fight uh-huh. type. And then you also have those mystical ones like... Crouching Tiger, tiger Hidden, Hidden Dragon, Dragon. Yes. where there's uh-huh. a, there's that mystical side, and they're mm-hmm. able to walk on tree branches, yes, and, and they can... Oh, there were some kind of post-apocalyptic ones. I wish I could remember the title of them, that they were that beautiful. They were fighting on power lines, and they would just get barely tapped in the face and just spit a mouthful of blood out there. There were three women, and they were in this post-apocalyptic world, and they were doing all that magical fighting up on the power lines and everything, and gosh, love it so much. Love it so much. Oh, yeah. Now, what I've heard is that this film is going to be the perfect mix of both those styles. You get a lot of practical, gritty fighting, but you also get that mystical side of it. Yeah, we've had our sci-fi. We've had our Iron Man, the Hulk. We're out of science and now we're going to get our magic side of it, our fantasy side. Right. Get a little little bit of magic. So we're going to get our martial arts on yep. in a big way. And so I'm definitely looking forward to that with everything that's coming out in Marvel at this point. Hopefully we don't get any more delays because, of course, there's a lot of rumors about that with this new variant, this Delta variant, mm. that they might have to change the release dates for a lot of these things and if things lock down tightly again then obviously they're not going to do theatrical releases and like i said before they can't risk having a poor turnout for these movies they've had one which was of course not the fault of the film right at least not in my opinion anyway Mm -hmm. but there's a tight rope that studios are having to walk now Mm -hmm. i don't know what the solution is i don't know who does know what the solution is but it's definitely something we're going to... It's going to be trial and error, you know. We're going to have to try things. We're going to have to fail a lot before we get to where we need to be. And maybe we'll have to make some bad movies for a while <laughs> before we get our feet back under us. Yeah, well, I mean, certainly having to come up with some uh, lesser risks, mm-hmm. that might be a strategy for a while. But when the future is uncertain, you know, there's no telling what you'll be able to do. And that's going to be, obviously, in the forefront of everybody's mind. However, I did want to talk a little bit also about television because we just got episode two of What If. (laughs) So, of course, What the If. What the If. Sorry, no jingle. No jingle for What the (laughs) If. But we got, for a shining moment, we had Chadwick Boseman back for 30 minutes. Mm -hmm. We got him back. And it it hit me harder than I thought it would. Yeah, it me was too. 
teared up a bit. I mean, but the whole episode, I got chills. I cried. I laughed my head off. I squeed. I went through the whole gamut of emotions, but it was great hearing his voice and knowing that it was him behind that microphone. Yeah. Uh, it was, uh, love it, love it in my heart. And I want to thank everyone who came on to that show. Thank you, Seth Green. <laughs> thank you, Kurt Russell. Thank you for doing this show for us because. I absolutely, I loved it. I did. I thought, what if Peggy was Captain America was just awesome. But then we get this, and it it exceeded all my expectations. And, you know, the next one, how can it beat this? I was so, so happy. And gosh, I I love it. You know, this is, that's the wrong kid. No, look, two see holes, two hear holes, and one eat hole. Gosh, I cracked up, and it did not stop. And I can't speak enough about how much I love Howard the Duck little bit more we got from him than we have before. You know, I always forget about Cosmo, you know, and there he was. And he's something that you kind of just get reminded of every now and then. Like, oh, yeah, I forget about Cosmo. And it just all the Easter eggs. Diplomatically talking Thanos out of genocide. And then all those jokes they make about that. I Did we say spoilers? I don't know if we said spoilers. Uh, but how about you, Brian? What did you think of the what did you think of this uh, half hour of television that we got? Well, I was definitely looking forward to it. It was everything that I wanted it to be. I will admit that the cold heart, old cynical part of me did look at the idea of Thanos being talked out of genocide as, okay, is that jumping the shark maybe a little bit? Maybe. But, no. I'm, but then it was like, no. I don't care. No. I don't Not care. Because it's T'Challa. And he could get that done if he had just been given a chance. (laughs) It just takes the right argument and early enough. We get him up there a few decades before Thanos was starting to collect the stones. If we hook up this planet with this planet, I can absolutely see it. If you do that, you're only solving one problem, but you're creating a whole bunch more. So diplomatic, so royal. T'Challa could absolutely have talked. And it's like, look, this is how you do this. I know how to do this. This is how you do it. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. I was so happy with the episode right up to the point where we fade to black and we get the dedication. Mm-hmm. And then suddenly I was like, oh, yeah, yeah, he's no longer with us. I forgot for a second. I Exactly. That's exactly mm-hmm. what the film, it made you forget he was no longer with us. And we got to, like I said, we had that glorious moment of where we got him back for a little while. Mm-hmm. And this was the last thing that he did with Marvel. And for me, it felt really wonderful to get that moment to see it again to realize exactly what Chadwick Boseman was able to do for the Marvel Cinematic Universe what he was able to accomplish and it reminded me of years ago when it was first announced that he was going to be doing Black Panther and then we started seeing trailers and I remember watching on YouTube trailer reactions and seeing people weeping because they were being represented because he was a black man. He was a lead. He, he was, was brilliant. He, he was the smartest man in the room, always. Yeah, yes. he was competent, mm-hmm. and he was a hero, and he was like the best, possibly one of the best in the entire Marvel Cinematic Universe, and such an actor, and someone willing, and we didn't know at the time, but someone who was willing to struggle against knowing he was going to die and still putting stuff out that was amazing and not just Marvel films, but someone who worked and was able to accomplish so much 
knowing that he only had a limited amount of time, but he was willing to put himself out there so completely, and we get this wonderful body of work. And to realize that now that's over. We have our memories. We have these wonderful works of art that he created, but this chapter is over. And it certainly makes me sad, but it also makes me very reticent of the fact that nothing is forever and always appreciate what you have when you have it because you never know when it's going to go. So, but we have more episodes of what if and do we know what our next one is yet? I'm trying to remember. Mm -hmm. I don't know if it's the zombies one. Oh yes. Oh, that's exciting. But I'm excited to get Eric Killmonger back. I want some Michael B. Jordan and some Robert Downey Jr. action. See how that goes. I'm excited to see that. Yeah, I'm definitely looking <laughs> forward to that. And speaking of looking forward to stuff, and this will be what we can end the show with. Of course, Sunday is the first episode of the last season of The Walking Dead. Really? Oh, I didn't even I didn't even realize what was coming up. I'm so far behind. Yeah, I got to pull it up. I've got to see those Lucille episodes. I'm so excited because I... I love her. I love Hillary Burton. So I'm excited to, to oh, see how. You, you haven't mean, seen I that. I haven't, no. Oh, You know, my. I'm so excited to see it. And I just, from following her on Instagram and seeing her behind the scenes videos and talking about everything going on. And uh, they kind of lived there in the town where they were while they were filming. And I'm excited. Just, oh, it's. But it's like, for me, it's, I know it's ending. So I'm rationing it <laughs> because I don't want it to end. And I, I may not watch the finale for months before I can get back to it and accept that it's coming to an end. Yeah, fair <laughs> enough. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, that episode um, with Negan and Lucille is mm-hmm. probably one of the best in the series, mm-hmm. I would say. And it was certainly among those episodes that were very intimate because filming during COVID, you right. couldn't have large groups of people for sure. Mm-hmm. But that makes me wonder how this next season is going to go because things are starting to loosen up. How are we going to get hordes of walkers, you yeah. know, when you can't get within six yeah. feet of each other, you know? Yeah, social distancing doesn't really work too well in the zombie apocalypse. Right. Mm-hmm. And that's going to be the question, is how much were they going to be able to do in this season? That's only going to take you so far. (laughs) I know that part of this season is going to deal with another group of evildoers. I believe they're called the Reapers, Mm -hmm. but this is going to be the third group. Well, there have been several groups of people that they've run into. And we just got done with the Whisperers. Yeah. And I mean, obviously, you had some heavy hitters with the Saviors and then the Whisperers. And now you have this group that are and supposed Terminus. To... We got like two minutes of Terminus. That's right. all you get. That, that's it. <laughs> this huge buildup to Terminus. They're like, cannibals. Like, nope, they're dead. Burn them down. That's yeah. it. <laughs> so after the Saviors and after the Whisperers, apparently they're going to be the big bad and they're supposed to be even more dangerous but how far can you go right? at this yeah. point and that's always a concern of mine with any tv show is that especially when you start getting to the end you don't want to jump the shark mm-hmm. and i'm wondering if this is doing that a little bit mm-hmm. but we also are getting the commonwealth in the comics that was the lead in to like the end of the comic mm-hmm. the comic book the commonwealth made It makes more sense to me as being the thing to come after the Whisperers because, of course, the Commonwealth is this massive community of humans, almost to the point where civilization is reestablishing itself. Mm -hmm. They have their own standing army, and they have hundreds of thousands of people. Mm -hmm. That makes sense to me. Now, what these Reavers are, I don't know. Mm -hmm. 
I have a feeling that we're going to have a split narrative. We're going to have the people in Alexandria and Hilltop and the kingdom dealing with these reavers. And Mm -hmm. we're going to have Eugene and his group dealing with the Commonwealth. And then we're going to have that split narrative probably for like the first half. I think they're going to do like two half seasons again. Mm -hmm. And so we'll have that split narrative in the first half. And then... It wouldn't surprise me if the reverse storyline isn't just completely taken care of by the end of this first half season. I don't think mm-hmm. it's going to carry over. Not to say it's a, like going to be a placeholder or anything like that, because that would be horrible if it is, because obviously that's mm-hmm. not the best storytelling. But I don't suspect that it's going to carry on for too awfully long. We will definitely... Uh, See what happens, and of course that starts this Sunday, and uh, we'll we can get we'll to what get back to what the dead, right? We will get and back. And we have a jingle for that one. We do have a jingle for that <laughs> one. Thank goodness for that. But we'll that will uh, give us something to talk about for the next few weeks for sure. Yeah. And so with that said, we come to the end of episode 120. Thank you for listening, and tune in next time for the latest in geek news and views with the Geek Watch podcast. From Andy Petrie, this is Brian Hatcher reminding all the geek watchers out there. We're all geeky about something. Be proud of yours. See you next time. Thank you for listening to the Geek Watch Podcast. If you enjoyed this program, don't forget to like and subscribe on your preferred platform and share this podcast on your social media. For links to all the ways you can listen to the Geek Watch Podcast, as well as leave comments and suggestions, visit our website at geekwatch.net. The Geek Watch Podcast is a Hanging J production.